Let me, uh, again, welcome everyone this morning. Good to see everyone. Um, it's a pleasure to be with you this morning. A pleasure to be uh, worshiping together um, with our church family. I love all y'all, and I'm glad you're here this morning. For those uh, tuning in uh, who aren't able to be here in person, hello to you as well. Glad you're uh, watching. Pray you'll be blessed uh, by joining us this morning. Glad we're able to provide that. Um, today's sermon may be short because my notes have 16% battery life. I'm not sure how long that translates to. So uh, either it will be short because I run out or it will be long because it dies and I wing it and have no concept of time. So we'll just see what happens today. But we'll trust the Lord will bless in everything that is done. And uh, we uh, are going to continue our studies in 1 John today. If you want to find your way to 1 John chapter 3, looking at the last... uh, verses of this chapter, 19 through 24, these six verses. And uh, as we begin um, looking at this passage and learning about different things that we'll look at today, I uh, was reminded in some ways of my teenage years. Those who have put those in the rear view years ago, how many of us just miss our teenage years and wish we could go back and relive those? Anybody? Anybody? They were hard to ears, weren't they? We remember that. If you have teenagers, these are hard years. And uh, so we need to make sure we're giving grace and help and guidance. If you are a teenager, hey, hang in there. Enjoy what you have. Um, if you find it hard, it'll get better. Um, won't always be easy, but uh, this is a hard time, so uh, hang in there. Um, you know, lean into your family. Lean into your, your church. Lean into the Lord. Um, but I know one of the things that, uh, that made it difficult for me was teenage girls, you know, I never understood them. I never knew where I stood with them. I found them to be very confusing. Now that I have teenage daughters, I don't think I've learned anything. They're still very confusing to me, and I still like them in a different way, of course, but I still love them, and they're still a blessing from the Lord. Um, but I know it was so frustrating because it was always this, you know, oh, I kind of like this one. Oh, does she like me? I don't know. And Oh, I hear that she likes you, and it was all these passing notes and clandestine operations to figure out who liked who, and and we didn't have text messages. You had to actually write stuff down and stuff and be on record. It's crazy. No, just deleting it. We could read them, but, you know. So it was really frustrating, and it's just like they were playing games. And it's just like I could never figure out. I just wanted something straightforward and simple. And the reason I came to this is because I find that sometimes Christians feel that it's like that with our relationship with God. It's like, well, we work out our own salvation, but then we rest in Christ for it. And Am I good? Am I not good? Am I? And so it becomes this tension and angst and burden in many times. So I want to help us with this this morning. And if you don't struggle with this, praise God. You probably know somebody who does. So take the, the, the lesson this morning, and uh, I trust God will use it to help someone in your circle uh, now or in the future. But uh, biblical reassurance um, the reassurance is one of the major themes of First John, and these six verses today, I think, give some of the clearest teaching on it. Um, and so we're looking, I'm looking forward to sharing this with you today. I will say on the outset that unlike the teenage girls who wanted to keep me guessing, God doesn't want to keep us guessing. God wants us to know that we are in him. God wants us to know our standing with him. And he has given us some ways to tell for sure. So we're going to look at these today. But I also want to say that 1 John 
has often been viewed as a very simple message, very straightforward message. These verses are some of the least clear in the whole letter. Um, so I will say that on the outset, there are differences of opinion on exactly what John is saying here. I'm going to give you my understanding of it and teaching, but I looked through commentaries and stuff, and I found three or four different people, and there was no real consensus. So if you have a study Bible, or you're looking and you're Googling while I'm doing it, you may find that somebody has a different take. But I think that um, what I have to share this morning is um, a godly view and is consistent with the text. Um, I just say that to say that there, there are some difficulties in understanding exactly the language and the grammar here. So we'll have a time for question and answer and discussion at the end. So if you have things that are like, wow, I don't, I don't see that, I understand, that's fine. Let's talk it out at the end. Um, but for now, I'd like to just go ahead and stand as we read these verses today. 1 John 3, 19 through 24. And uh, let's, uh, let's all just read them aloud together, And uh, starting in verse 19. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his command that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Let's pray. God in heaven, our Father, our good Father, Lord, we come to you. Um, and uh, we are thankful for having this opportunity. We're thankful for your word that is preserved for us and your Holy Spirit that grants us understanding. And so we come asking for your help as we study these verses and these passages, Lord, that you, we would have a, a biblical understanding of our relationship to you and the confidence that we can have um, from your word to us, Lord. So help us to understand, Lord, as I try to bring this message. Would you speak through me, Lord, and not be my words but yours? And uh, would you uh, help us to be more conformed to the image of Jesus for our time here this morning? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> so we can see structurally, um, John uses this sort of, we see at the beginning of this passage, by this we shall know, and then at the end, and by this we know. And this is sort of a... Uh, bookend approach of the structure that John uses three or four times throughout the letter. He'll say, by this we know, and then he'll talk about it, and then he'll sort of wrap up and said, so, everything I just said, by this we know. And um, you've seen it in this chapter, you'll see it in the next chapter, you see it several times throughout here that it's sort of a bookending of what he does. He uses a good uh, um, speech class type of thing where you tell folks what you're going to tell them, and then you tell them, and then you tell them what you told them. Right? So we're going to follow that same sort of strategy we go through here. And, but the first thing, I, as I've already mentioned, is we see here that God wants us to know that we are saved. Um, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart. By this we know that he abides in us. Um, 
He, uh, he has written these things for this purpose. In fact, the, the key verse to the whole letter is in John chapter, 1 John chapter 5, where he says, I, these things have I written to you that you may know that you have eternal life. And so he's obviously um, a central theme all throughout, and this is sort of his uh, focused um, teaching on this idea. So it's not going to be a mystery. Um, when we come out of here, we should have confidence one way or the other. And uh, so I hope that will be the case for us today. Um, I know that uh, we were just talking about teenage years, and I remember in my teenage years, about this same time of year, in fact, I looked at the uh, um, Wayback Machine, Wikipedia, and saw that it was 33 years ago this week, um, a uh, power ballad came out, reached number one in the charts, and uh, by a Swedish rock duo, anybody know who that might have been? Anybody? No? Nobody? The Swedish pair, Power Ballad, Roxette was the name of the group. Anybody know the song that was number one this week, 33 years ago? What? No, no, that one was uh, not, not, it was a little before. Same, uh, same album, I believe, Look Sharp, but not that one. Listen to Your Heart. Okay, Listen to Your Heart was uh, number one song, and I still remember when it came out, and uh, you know, it's a classic today. If you don't know it, you need to go find it. Um, but uh, it was pretty good advice in some ways. You don't want to listen to it exclusively, but listen to your heart. That's okay. And I was struck by that as I looked at these verses. Um, as we just read, you know, our heart is an important indicator. But our heart, here used as the same word as conscience, it is an imperfect indicator. Okay, so if we look at verse uh, 20 through 22, for whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, and we have confidence before God because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. So we see here that our heart is um, going to testify to us on some level. It may condemn us. It may not condemn us. And I want us to just take a few minutes and consider what those indications mean to us. Um, because in the song, you just listen to your heart and go with it. Whatever it feels right, that's the way it is. It's not quite what we're asked to do here, but it is an indicator for us. So how do we interpret this? Well, the first thing, whenever our heart condemns us, Okay, um, why would our heart condemn us? It's our conscience. Why would we feel guilty? Because we are guilty. <laughs> because we're sinners. That's exactly right. And so, as followers of Jesus, as good people, even okay, we should ha- we would have this moral compass that would say, well, that's wrong, and this is right. I've done something. I've done wrong in this area. Therefore, I've feel condemned, all right? So sometimes it will feel that way. Sometimes it's because we are guilty. Now, we are all staying guilty, okay? But are we we supposed to go through our whole life under this weight of condemnation and guilt and constant process of, oh, I'm so bad, I'm so bad, and maybe I can make up for it, maybe I can do better, and, you know, that's man's religion, you know, the religion of works, you know, um, Islam, 
You know, if you do more good than you do bad, at the end of the, your life, your scales are balanced. And, uh, you know, if you got more on the good side than the bad side, you'll be okay. Um, that's sort of how we sort of intuitively think about things. Why? Because that's how we interact with people. You know, if they do, you know, somebody might do us wrong, but if they generally are doing good for us and we generally have, we trust, eh, they just slipped up, we'll cut them some slack up to a point, right? I mean, you know, and so that's kind of how we re-interact with people, so we assume that's how God interacts with us. But it's not. It's not at all how he interacts with us. So our heart may condemn us. It might condemn us because we're guilty, but it might condemn us because... We have this idea that we have to earn our status with God, okay? And so what we see here is whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our hearts, okay? Um, you may see, look at your life, and you may see the reality that, man, I'm just a failure. I am just messing up constantly. I have this besetting sin. I have this pattern in my life. I have this, you know, struggle. I, I, I love God, but I don't walk that out all the time. And just between he and I, everybody else may think I'm good, but my heart knows the truth. And my heart just says I'm not good enough. And my heart says that I'm a fraud. And my heart may tell, tell me that I'm not, you know, what I pretend to be. Let me tell you right now, you may feel utterly defeated and hopeless, but God is greater than your heart, okay? And so what he says, his verdict overrides that of our own heart, okay? So what does God say about us? That's where we need to look and see. If our heart condemns us, it's something we should be concerned about and we should evaluate, but let's look and see what does God say about us because God says that if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, and it's not just uh, up to a certain point, like it may be with us and our interactions with people around us. God's mercies are new every morning. Okay, um, he is faithful, and his faithfulness is great, more than we could ever exhaust. And he knows everything. He knows everything. So th this is both a concern Oh, my goodness, God knows everything about me. Even the stuff that I hide from everybody else, God knows it all. So it's a concern, but it's also a comfort because he knows everything and he still loves us. Amen? I mean, he knows everything about us and he doesn't care. I mean, he cares, but he loves us in spite of it. He doesn't just want us to, to, to live like the devil, you know, but he loves us in spite of knowing everything about us. It is a concern. Because he is totally holy. And he would be offended by things that we wouldn't even notice or think twice about. So we, we need his forgiveness. We need his mercies every morning. But if our heart condemns us, then our heart is not thinking quite right. We may be guilty and our heart, that you know, guilt and that sense of condemnation should lead us to godly repentance that runs back to our Father. So like we sang a little while ago, yeah, we've messed up. We've done all these things and problems, but the solution to that is not to hide in a corner and cower and just give up. The solution is to run to our Father and to come to Him because He is greater than our heart, and He can override that verdict and say, no, you're forgiven. Yeah, you're guilty, but I see you. When I look at you, I see Jesus, and I see His sacrifice on the cross, 
and I see you justified. As if you've never sinned. You're a saint in my eyes. You're my child who I love. So this is a comfort, and it should be, to those who are in Christ. If you're here this morning and and you're not a follower of Jesus, you've not declared him to to be the Lord of your life, you've not turned from your, your own sin, your own strength, and put your faith and trust in him for your salvation, then I want to offer a false assurance to you this morning. I would say if that's your situation and your heart is convicting you, and as we are preaching the word this morning, and if there's a stirring in your heart that says, I'm not right with God, don't hear a false assurance from me, okay? Because this assurance is given, John says, to the beloved, to those who are in Christ, that is how we have proper standing with God. If, if we don't have the Jesus, then even if our heart does not condemn us, that doesn't mean we're right. Okay? There are possible reasons that our heart would not condemn us. It could be because we understand our standing before Christ, but it could also be because we don't know Christ. And we think, ah, we're okay. I'm better than so-and-so. I'm better than that person. I'm certainly not as bad as some people. Not as bad as I could be. You don't know all the things I wish I could do and I haven't done. So therefore, I'm a pretty good guy. Okay, that, that's a false assurance. Okay, because remember, God is greater than our heart. So even if our heart doesn't condemn us, if we're not in Christ, then we stand condemned. So my call to you this morning, if you are not yet a follower of Jesus, if you have not repented and believed and put your faith in him, today is the day. Brother, sister, friend, please don't walk out of here without being certain that you are in Christ. You're like, I'm not sure what that means. We'll have a time of response later. You can come. I would love to take a Bible and explain more of what that means. But, again, do not hear, please do not hear a a false assurance um, for those who are outside of Jesus. We see that um, as believers, though, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, um, then... Assuming that is because of the assurance that we have from Jesus, from Christ, from the Father, that who says, you know, this is my beloved Son, I, I, you know, you are in Christ, and therefore you are pure and clean before my eyes. Those whose hearts have been changed can listen to their heart. All right? And I hope everybody goes home and listens to that song today. The last 80s music reference I'll make today. But um, if we are in Christ, then we can. Otherwise, the human heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. Um, who can know it? That's what the Bible says about it. But God, in salvation, if we are regenerated, he gives us a new heart um, that can hear and respond to the Holy Spirit. These types of things. So our heart is an imperfect indicator. Um, but it is um, something that we can benefit from. The conscience, the Holy Spirit in our hearts is a, a tool to, to guide us and to lead us um, to repentance, as we discussed. So, if our heart does not condemn us, then we have confidence before God. Why? Because we keep his commandments and do what please him. Okay. Now, this is an important thing to understand, that we don't have standing with God because we keep his commandments and do what please him. We don't have salvation because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Okay, We keep his commandments and do what please him because we are his children, 
because we want to please him. He is our father, okay? And so let's don't get the cart before the horse and get these out of order, okay? Don't, don't misunderstand. John's not saying that you got to work for your salvation. He's in a sense saying, let's work out your salvation. If you have been saved, then that will be exhibited by the things you do. James says it, you know, that I will show you my faith by my works, not I'll earn my faith by my works, but I'll demonstrate my faith in God by obeying his commandments and doing what pleases him. Um, so in order for us to keep his commandments and do what pleases him, um, we must know the commandments. And we must be knowing more and more what they are and what pleases him through studying the word. Okay, And... Again, this is the idea of a pattern of obedience. Remember, John has talked numerous times through his letter about walking in the light, you know, this pattern of obedience. But if we sin, we have an advocate. If we confess that sin, he will forgive us. He's faithful and just. So there's this very reality that, yeah, we do um, keep his commandments. We do what pleases him as a pattern. Okay. Again, we are we're never given license to sin, but John acknowledges the reality that we 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 are still fallen creatures. We're still in a fallen world. We still are in these bodies of flesh, and we are still going to sin at times. Um, so this idea of assurance is again, don't hear this and say, "Well, I don't always keep his commandments, and I don't always do what pleases him," and so I'm not really sure. Let me tell you right there, that's your heart again, testifying to the work that God has done. Because I tell you right now, unbelievers aren't out there worrying. Oh, I wonder if God's pleased with me. Oh, I wonder if I'm doing well. And they're not looking at the scripture, studying and saying, "Oh, maybe I've displeased Him." Okay, that concern, that angst, that worry, that um, you know, reflection on your own self, self-examination—that's a hallmark of a, of a believer. Okay, so if you are struggling with that, yeah. You're, you're, you're not good enough, okay? I don't even know you, but I can tell you that because none of us are good enough, amen? But Jesus is enough, and that's what we can trust in and rest in. So this commandment, um, what are these commandments? Um, is, is he laying on us the burden of the law all over again? No, it's not that kind of burdensome commandment. Um, it takes, a, he, verse 23, he describes what this is, and straight from Jesus' own teaching, this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Just as he said, um, Jesus said the greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And we see John tweaking that a little bit, and again, getting back to the um, heresy that he was teaching against, as we talked about a few times, this Gnostic heresy that said Jesus wasn't really God or wasn't really a man. Jesus wasn't who you think he was. Okay, so we see him pushing back and saying, it's not just to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That love is going to be manifested in belief in the name of Jesus. As he said before, if you don't have Jesus, you don't have the Father. Don't say you do. If you say that and that's the case, you're a liar. Okay, so he's again coming back again to this is his commandment. Believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Again, if you're here this morning and that, you've not made that decision yet, you've not committed, you've not believed in him, this is the command that God gives us. Everything else is, flows from that. Okay, so that is the first thing, is that we repent and believe. 
and then that we love one another. And John has been teaching about this um, throughout the letter. Um, we saw last week, you know, loving to the point of sacrificing and giving of our own material goods to meet the needs of the brothers. And uh, so he's just wrapping it up here again <clears throat> in a little package that that is the second. So we, the two commandments, believe in the name of Jesus, love one another as he has commanded us. So if we look at all the... Uh, verses here that's talking about it. I'm going to kind of parse through this and help us to get a simple statement of reassurance because he starts off and by this we shall know and then he talks a little bit about our hearts and condemning us and not condemning God is greater but then he gets back on so I'm going to try to I've highlighted what I believe is John's statement here and uh, then a little bit of uh, substitution, you know, because we keep his commandments, substituted in for what the commandment is. So this is how I understand John's statement on biblical reassurance. By this we shall know that we are of the truth, and by this we shall reassure our heart. If our heart does not condemn us because we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. All right? So this reassurance comes from a clear conscience, a heart that does not condemn us. As we said, not because we're perfect, because we understand what Jesus has done for us. We put our faith in him. So if our heart does not condemn us because we have the fruit of a changed heart, which is believing in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and loving one another. All right? Everybody follow that? Hopefully that's helpful. Again, um, some people would differ a little bit on exactly how the grammar breaks down here. So if you, you read some other commentator and he has a slight different take, the gist is going to be the same. The gist is going to be the same. That our standing and our reassurance of our, of our position and our um, salvation isn't really dependent on us. Okay, um, Our heart will uh, give us indication of that but it's through as we see the fruit in our own lives. Not how we get saved, but how we know that we are saved. <clears throat> now, if you'll notice, uh, astute listeners may have noticed that as I kind of went through that, breaking it down, um, you know, phrase by phrase, I skipped a phrase, and uh, that was, simply, that was uh, simply to avoid some confusion. But I want to come back to this phrase in verse 22. And whatever we ask, we receive from him. Okay, um, this is a, a very misunderstood statement. Um, similar uh, sentiments are expressed in Scripture in slightly different ways. And so this has led to um, people thinking this is some sort of magic formula or an incantation in, a, in essence. Um, that how, you know, if we do this, that, and the other, it's just like rubbing a genie's lamp. And God will have to do whatever we ask. And I, I just want to push back against that. This uh, is often called the name it and claim it. Um, that we, we name something that, that we are going to ask him for and then we're guaranteed to receive it from him. You know, and sometimes they uh, talk about faith and a lot of times the shysters will say you demonstrate that faith by giving money to our ministry. And uh, so you take a seed of faith and you plant it in our ministry and God's going to make that come back to you as whatever you're asking for. And don't do a $10 seed of faith, right? Do a $100 seed of faith or a $1,000 seed of faith. So that's not biblical, okay? That is not what John is saying here. And so I just want to take a moment and, and press back against this because First off, who is he talking about? He's talking about Christians, beloved. Okay, he's talking to the Christians. 
and those who are in a right standing before God, whose heart does not condemn us. Okay? And we have confidence before God and whatever we ask we receive from him. Why? Because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. So, just like Matthew 7 talks about, you know, Jesus says, listen, if you all are evil and you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father give good gifts to his children? And he will. And so that is a precious truth and a, and a blessed confidence that we have. But we've got to understand the context in which it's said. Okay? Um, keeping the commandments is essentially, we're told, believing in Jesus and if we're believing in him, then we're going to be living like him. And if we're living like him, that's going to permeate every area of our life, including praying like him. And how did Jesus pray? We saw some, Jesus, some prayers of Jesus, okay, in which he asked the Father for certain things. Okay? And what did Jesus, how did Jesus pray over these things? How did he teach us to pray? The will of the Father. When he was in the garden of Gethsemane before, he was, um, before his death and crucifixion and sacrifice, he prayed, Father, if possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. When he taught us in the Lord's Prayer, he said, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So a Christian's prayer a prayer of someone who's following Jesus is going to be in that pattern in which we make our requests known before the Lord and we pray with him. We pour out our heart to him like David did and even like Jesus did. And, and he, we have that relationship. We can run to our Father and pour out these things, but we're not asking, as James says, amiss or to consume these things upon our lust. Okay, we're always praying in the will of the Father. Because sometimes kids ask for things that aren't good for them. Who's got kids? Who's had young kids? Can I get an amen? Sometimes kids ask for things that aren't good for them. Amen. Sometimes we do that. Sometimes we ask for things that wouldn't be good for us. So just as a child would defer or have to defer to the wisdom of the parent, we are, have a good father who will not act rashly to satisfy a petulant child. I know y'all never done that. I heard about a guy one time who did that. Um, but uh, he won't do that. He's, he's much more patient and long-suffering than that. And so he is always going to be a good father and always going to give us what is good. Even though we may not understand that, we may feel deprived. We may feel like he's not listening or answering. But we have confidence um, that, as I guess I quoted in Matthew 7, if we even know how to give good gifts, being all flawed and evil, how much more will God give us good gifts? So I just wanted to, to comment on that passage and uh, address that briefly. I hope that's helpful. Um, finally, uh, we see God wants us to know that we're saved. Our heart is an imperfect indicator. But we see finally in verse 24, the Holy Spirit bears witness to our salvation. Okay, Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Okay, um, is he talking about love, lo loving the Father, loving um, one another? Love is a fruit of the Spirit. It's not a fruit of the flesh. Okay, um, there are acts of kindness that people may do out of their own 
um, heart. It's generally self-serving or aggrandizing. You know, to, there's lots of reasons people will do things that are good acts. Okay, but true love is a fruit of the spirit. So if you look at your life, and as as we're talking, and your heart kind of condemns you, and say, "Look, I don't feel like I'm really walking out this love the way John is describing." You know, like we heard last week, I don't really feel like that's how I'm living out my life. Listen, this is not a call to work harder. That's not what we're called to do, to try harder, to do better. Okay? It's a call to, to run to our Father anew, um, confess our need for Him anew. Um, and because our need didn't stop at salvation, you know, we need Him every day for everything of our life. Um, you know, we are weak, and if we do it on our own, our heart will condemn us, and with good reason. So we run to him for the strength needed for daily life as a Christian. And uh, through that, um, through our pursuit of him and submission to him, you know, the Holy Spirit is allowed to then work and to bear that fruit in our lives. So that's our lesson for today. Um, what questions do people have? Anything? We've talked over to a few things. Any questions or comments people may have today? Adam, would you bring me my water bottle beside you, please? Sure. So the Jade was uh, asking me to expound on a, a comment I made that the concern of our standing um, is actually a marker of our salvation. Is that what you're... Okay. So the, uh, the idea is that the... Um, Those who have been, are being convicted by the Holy Spirit, okay, um, that are being, having the light of the gospel shine, shown in their life, that are seeing their uh, weaknesses, their failings, their guilt, okay, there's different ways people respond to that, okay. Um, an unregenerate person will puff up their chest against it. I'm not really like that deny it, or maybe they will deflect. Well, yeah, well, what about him? What about her? Okay, um, and it could be numerous responses, but the responses are going to be resisting that. Um, the fruits of repentance of a changed heart, or when the, God, the light of the Scripture and the Holy Spirit brings conviction, when our heart convicts us, then the, the mark of a believer, of someone who's following Jesus, will be repent, repentance, confession, you know, contrition, change. And, you know, yeah, so then if that's your mindset and your attitude... Sometimes we'll have, I mean, I don't think I'm the only one that sometimes gets in your head and like, well, am I just doing this to earn God's favor? Am I doing this, you know, so that I can be right before him? I, I, I don't want to do it for the wrong reasons. Even if it's the right thing, I don't want to do it for the wrong reasons. Uh, anybody else ever had that thought? Am I the, okay, okay. I was like, am I the only one? I don't think so, but maybe. Um, so we have this, and what I'm saying is that unregenerate people aren't responding to the light that way. They're not saying, well, I want to do right, but I want to do it for the right reasons. 
So I want maybe I shouldn't maybe I can't really let my heart let that condemnation go. Maybe I can't really have peace. Maybe I can't really be assured by these things because maybe I'm doing all these right things for the wrong reason. Maybe I'm confessing and repenting of my sin for the wrong reason. <laughs> There's not a wrong reason to come to Jesus. Okay? There's not a wrong reason. So if you're unsure and, you're, and you feel that tension in your heart and you're like, but am I just doing it because I'm trying to earn salvation? Well, number one, if it's the right thing to do, then do it. Okay, because we see here in these passages that when we keep his commandments, when we do what pleases him, that that is an evidence. Okay, so number one, do it. Number two, if you still feel that maybe you're doing it out of the wrong, then confess that to Jesus. Confess that to the Father. And, and just confess that, listen, I, I'm conflicted. I don't want to do these things for the wrong reason, but I know this pleases you. I'm going to do these things because they are right and because I'm commanded to do them, but... Give me that peace of mind. Give me that sound mind that the Bible talks about, okay? That God has, we've not been given the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. And we just confess that as another failing, another need for him. And we shouldn't let that draw us away from God, but we should let that lead us back to him in an even deeper way. Because the more we see, the more we see. Remember, God knows everything. And the more we know of him, the more he's going to shine. And the more we're going to see that we're still not there. And the more we're going to need him on a daily basis. So does that answer your question some? Does that help? Yeah. Um, a, uh, an inappropriate response would be to say, well, if I were to do that, it would just be out of selfish motives. So I'm not going to do it. Okay. That's an inappropriate response. And someone who says that, that I'm not going to keep his commandments, I'm not going to do what pleases him for whatever reason, that would be rebellion. And that, that would be a time that your heart should be condemning you and you need to evaluate, hey, am I struggling here? Am I in error? Or do I have a deeper issue? Am, am I not truly following Christ? And so that is where, again, working out our salvation. Our salvation will work itself out. And I would say, again, if you have those desires to do the things that are pleasing to God, that is a good evidence that you are his. All right. Everyone have another question? Comment? All right. I've still got 6% on my battery, so we've got a few more minutes if we need it. But uh, um, if not, then we'll go ahead and wrap up. We can finish. We can, I'll be around afterward. We can continue to discuss these things. If you have um, questions, I'd love to, to talk about these things with us more. Um, deadline's not today. We can talk about it next week. Um, anytime, please reach out to me. I pray it's been a help to me. But again, I just want to say, please don't hear a message of reassurance where none is offered. Um, this message is to the beloved, as John calls them, to the Christians. And so remember, the, the first commandment upon which this you know, case for assurance is built is believe in the name of Jesus. And so again, you know, in a moment... Um, Levi's going to lead us through a, a time of the Lord's Supper and communion, a time of response. And if you're here today and you're not a believer and you're not a follower of Jesus, please come talk to me. I would just love to, to be able to sit down with you and answer some questions and go into deeper of what that means. But that, everything else we talked about doesn't, doesn't follow. Everything else we talked about follows from that step of obedience, believing in the name of Jesus, 
So um, for those who are in Christ, I hope this has been a help to you. And again, as we go to our time of response, Levi, come on up and lead us. And um, I pray that God will continue to use this word in our lives.